It's time for the Jay Foreman postgame show. Here's Coy Detmer dropping straight back in the pocket. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! Look to the left, and he kind of telegraphed it all the way. When the ball was tipped, Foreman's in the right spot. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill, Vinny Creekett, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. Here's Fawenti dropping back, fires a pass, and it's intercepted by the Huskers at the 25, Jay Foreman. And Foreman takes it down to the 19-yard line of Oklahoma. Another big play by the Blackshirts. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Good afternoon. This is Jay Foreman after game show. Husker game just uh, four zeros on there. Obviously, unfortunately, you've been watching the game. Uh, was not the best effort, best uh, the, the uh, best outcome, obviously, for Nebraska was a lot on the line. You got to give uh, congratulations to Michigan State to uh, pull out a victory. You know, it was a uh, victory that uh, wasn't not, you know, I'm assuming wasn't expected, but uh, they went out and earned it and they beat us. We did not play well. Disappointing because you had the, uh, I guess, the carrot of six wins. And it was just looked like a little bit of a flat performance overall. Offense, defense, special teams just looked flat, looked a little off. And that happens when you're in a week-to-week basis. You have to really train these guys to understand that what you did last week has nothing to do with this week. Um, It's kind of an NFL mentality where – it's a week-to-week season, week-to-week basis, day-to-day basis, play-to-play basis, meeting-to-meeting basis, communication from coach to player, player-to-player basis. And um, it just didn't look like their best effort. I think that Michigan State was going to be extremely competitive. I mean, everybody all week was like, oh, well, they're cashing it in. That's not good. That never happens. Michigan State has always been a prideful program. The defense had gotten better. They've been playing hard. And if you aren't on your game, meaning if you don't give them an inch, they will break. But if the longer that you keep them around by lack of execution, lack of energy, um, lack of taking their confidence away, the more confidence they will gain. Now, by no means are they an offensive juggernaut or a team of a juggernaut, but a team like that, the most important thing is to play hard, play steady, and stay out of your own way. We didn't, we didn't do any of those, especially in the first quarter. And some of the things that we didn't do in the first quarter kind of came back and bite us in the butt in the sense of, yes, we went into halftime 10 to 10. We were lucky to do that considering I feel how bad we didn't play or not play up to our expectations and let ourselves down. Michigan State came out in the second half, and you know, you know a team like this, they're, when, they go, when they're in third or second and long, they're not going for first down. Yeah. They're going for touchdowns because they have nothing to lose. There is nothing that they're going to gain out of this out of the rest of the season, and so you you have to understand the mentality in order in order to defend them. And we just didn't do that today. And you know, I think the biggest thing is yes, the fans are going to be upset. Um, us adults are you know people that evaluate the game are going to you know be upset, but more importantly, the players let themselves down, mm-hmm. and that's more that they're the, they're the ones that go to practice every day. Those are the ones that, you know, have to deal with everything, and that's probably the most disappointing thing. 
Yeah, a, a really, really disappointing performance. Uh, you just look at some of the, the general statistics. Uh, Michigan State outgained Nebraska 295 total yards to 283. Uh, Nebraska did have 154 rushing yards compared to Michigan State, who had just 63. How about this? No penalties for the, the Huskers today, uh, but Michigan State had seven, and uh, Nebraska's defense held Michigan State to three of 14 on third downs. But there just weren't a whole lot of chunk plays. Like Nebraska, up until the Heinrich Harburg run at the end, yeah. they didn't have a, an explosive play. Michigan State was able to, at times, um, just a, a little bit of a, a disappointing performance because Nebraska, it just feels like they don't know who to go to in crunch time. It's, not, they, only, it's not only that. I think Michigan State had timely plays. If you think of the Alante Brown, you know, kind of reverse yeah. throwback, the other one. They got timely plays, not necessarily like slit your throat plays to yep. dagger in the heart, but enough gut punches to where they got the ball into field goal range and then get a touchdown. Mm -hmm. I think the most disappointing series of the whole game was the first time that they Michigan State had the ball. He had yeah, clearly two or three defensive busts. And it wasn't any type of hard plays where they put you in stress. It was lack of focus, and that's probably the thing that probably lost them the game. And so... You know, look, when you have a very slim margin of error and then you have some excess by, you know, playing to that, sometimes players can, you know, start to feel themselves. They can start thinking about things that aren't very real realistic and it can bleed into how you practice, prepare, and then ultimately ultimately play. And so it's a very harsh learning lesson yeah. for these kids and a harsh learning lesson that you had control of the game, had control of what your destiny and you on your own by lack of focus and execution against a team that you were better than on yeah. paper and had been playing better than brought up some old demons. And so, you know, it's going to be more of a mental check and getting yourself back in, in order. Anytime you go on the road, the game is going to be harder. Anytime you play a team that's desperate and back against the wall, it could be harder. And with Michigan State, you know that they were going to play hard. Their defense was going to play hard. And have been playing hard. They just got worn out last week against Minnesota. Yeah. And we weren't at our top of our game defensively, even though they went three or fourteen on, on third down. We just didn't look crisp. And that's a that's actually a you know, feather in the cap for the defense that we know that they can play a lot better than they played, you know, this week. And it it, it came back to bit us it bite us in the butt. I, I think when you look at the defense, one thing that you just wish Nebraska would have done better. They had no pressure on the quarterback. They they finished the game with with three sacks. Um, but it, for for Hauser back there, the quarterback for Michigan State, two of those three sacks for Nebraska's defense came on the same same drive yeah. at the start of the fourth quarter, and it was one by Cameron Lenhart, one by James Williams. Yeah. Other than that, Nebraska didn't apply pressure to the quarterback at all. Yeah. They allowed Caton Hauser to either stand back and make an accurate ball many times to the opposite side of the field. Um, but then also they would allow Kaden Hauser to scramble and, and get some yards with his with his legs. Nebraska just can't apply pressure. We talked about it before we started, Jay. You rarely heard Ty Robinson today. You didn't no. see much Nash Hutmaker or Hutmaker, excuse me, today. There just wasn't a whole lot on the front three, front four, front five. Yeah. You had a you couple, you know, like it. I think you know, MJ Sherman got the yep. big holding call on him. So that's equivalent of a positive play. But overall, the defense just needed more urgency, more mm -hmm. energy, more 
to be more authoritative and be more of an alpha type of male mentality when you play a game like this because the defense has to lead the way. I always say, you know, carry the pail of water up, uh, uh, you know, uphill and not, you know, have any drip out. So um, there was some leaky plays and they made some uh, adjustments, but it just wasn't good enough. It wasn't up to the standard. And that's just the way it look. That's just the way it is when you be as disappointed as you can. Right. But ultimately, you have to understand this is a 12 one week season for this team because when you haven't won and you haven't had the accountability factor and winning factor entrenched in your program, mm-hmm. you get games like this sometimes, which I don't think there should be, but sometimes you get them because you see the light at the end of the tunnel. You see how far you've came. You've seen the ability to win ugly last week against Purdue. And sometimes that the, the things that really have should have hurt you mm-hmm. didn't. And then it pops you, you know, pops up in your face, and it becomes reality. Yeah, it's not a reality when you do the same things that you did this week, that you did last week, or the week before, but you end up winning. And so right now, it's a good reality check for a lot of the guys, and they got to go to back to the lab. And it's not even about a schematic thing. Yes, you could talk about play calling and all that. Yes, sure, the the reads on the read option definitely was not there. Yeah, you could say all that, but ultimately, this is a reality check game for those players and the faster that they come to terms with that we let ourselves down it's not the end of the world we can win next week the better it would be for them individually than collectively as a team another another game in the big 10 conference just went final and that was between the wisconsin badgers and the indiana hoosiers indiana wins against wisconsin 20 to 14 they've been been playing good they had they had penn state on the road they started season off and and taking uh ohio state to the middle of the third quarter they played well pretty much and pretty consistent all year. You know, it's the payoff of consistently depositing yeah. good performances, good w- weeks at practice, being in the moment, and then you get over the hump. Yeah, They have a really good player in Aaron Casey that probably should be defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. Might not be considering that he's on Indiana, but he's yeah. been flat-out unstoppable. He has a host of other defenders that they got out of the portal that fits Tom Allen's defense. And you're able to beat a Wisconsin team without Braylon Allen and out their, without yeah. their starting quarterback. There you go. And it's no different than Nebraska. Teeing it up next week against Maryland. You can't go back and dig up this Michigan State loss. Yeah. This thing is buried. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. It is registered with the county uh, treasurer as a as a death in, in, in a loss. Now what you have to do is recognize how you lost that game get immediately back to work because I think they do practice tomorrow or yeah. do something tomorrow. And then attention to detail, the urgency and the the standard has to be upped because even though it probably was on one end, probably from the coaches, the players, the players got to start holding themselves accountable. Uh, you know, so they, they got to make sure that they don't do this next week against Maryland. We're here for you guys. 402-464-5685. The Honda Lincoln Hotline and the Sarder Heyman Text Line are both open to you guys. Uh, we'll field your calls and your texts all show long as uh, Jay and I will go up until about 4 o'clock or so before handing over the reins to Austin and Bach. Uh, Nebraska falls 20-17 to against the Michigan State Spartans. Jay, I mean, you said it earlier. I, I think there were we saw the, the pictures on social media of the the – few fans that that were in Spartan Stadium. It was not a full stadium. No. It, it was not. There was it wasn't no, a whole field, th- man. Th- th- this was a bring-your-own-energy type of game. Right. 
And Nebraska's had those. It's not like this was the first one all season long. Yeah, you had Nebraska those, needed two to, weeks to go against Illinois exactly. or three weeks to go against Illinois. You, you had, had it. Frankly, honestly, also, you had to bring your own energy last week at home. Yeah. It was a cold, cold Saturday. Dreary Saturday and, out and, of nowhere. And up until Nebraska started playing, the fan base, and this is not me taking a shot, there was just not a lot of energy in the Memorial no. Stadium. No. It, so this I mean, is, there's no excuse that in, no, game, it's, it's, in game, it's, it's, game nine of the season – that you shouldn't have to worry about bringing your own energy. No, I mean, especially with everything on the line. Yeah. And, you know, you knew you that you, you should have known that you were going to get their best shot. And if you didn't know it, you just prepare for their best shot. It just was a game that they let themselves down. And the, and, and even though the flight is only an hour and 15 minutes or so, there's yeah. going to be a lot of regret on there in the sense of you wonder, was it the play in practice? Was it the attention to detail? Was it too much of – reading social media or was it the lack of de detail or energy that I had during the game that could have possibly turned the tide mm -hmm. and it's just something that you got to deal with is it, when you have a young team and I mean in a, in a young team in a young organization in the sense of you have a coach you have a program or yeah. like what I mean is like a coaching staff a culture of accountability and doing all those some things Sometimes when you when you get on the cusp of which would be success is being bowl eligible by this time in the season, you can sometimes inadvertently and subconsciously revert back to some of the things that you've done prior, and that's the urgency of playing, the mindset of the game, understanding that even though this is a team that we should beat, we have to go out there and actually beat them and execute maybe at a higher percentage than we have before. Because they are feeling like this is the time that we can upset a team that's been up on the uptick, and it's senior day. It's the last you're playing. They're playing for a bigger purpose, and so we have to play for an even bigger purpose. And that's something that you have to learn. This game wasn't about physical, right? This wasn't yeah. about an out being. This isn't like we played a Alabama, Ohio State, or a team that could you know just essentially when they rolled off the bus, they just have way better athletes than us. This was a mentality game and a mental game to see who could focus. And this is a learning process for the players and the coaches. And it sucks when you're going through a learning process and lose. Yeah, It's okay when you go through the learning process and you win 31-14 and everybody's, you know, kind of going around and saying, like, well, how could you be mad if you're winning 31-14? The coaches told you. The tape wasn't as good as, as it looked, at, looked yeah. like. So that was actually a shot over the bow for the players of, okay, we're not too sweet. Now, whoever accepted that message and then processed that message is yet to be told. Obviously, in it, in it wasn't enough people that accepted and processed that message because you wouldn't have went out and performed like this against a team like Michigan State. And Michigan State is a team that was two and zero before Mel Tucker got suspended slash fired. So it's not a team that you think of like, hey, we could have just blew out. The defense was vastly improved, so you knew it was going to be a defensive game. You knew all, also offensively for them to generate some points, they were going to have to come with timely plays, off-schedule plays, and things that you had to pre be prepared for. Maybe some things you haven't seen on tape, but you also have to think of they have Alante Brown. They're trying to He's trying to have a get-back game at them, but then also they're going to test your fundamentals and communication every single play, and especially when it's take a shot. And they perform outperform Nebraska at a high percentage in those plays.
There's a there's a lot to unpack here. Um, whether it's whether it's the defensive performance, uh, whether it's the the struggling offense of Nebraska, the special teams blunders uh, once again. I mean, just a, a disappointing day from from Brian Buschini. Nebraska was unable to really flip the field all uh, throughout the entire four quarters of play. Uh, Nebraska fielded punts at the at the five and six yard line consistently. Billy Kemp made a return specifically in the punt return game only. But just to be back there to to fair catch it, number one, and then number two, in the on the last punt of the game, in the most crucial time, they put in Ethan Nation for the first time, and I understand that you're trying to get a return there, but Jay, I guess look, we can we can start with the punts at this point because that was somewhat mind boggling to me, the decision not only to put a guy that that is probably not fully ready to go, but is is your best punt. I mean, best guy at catching punts, if you will, back there in Billy Kemp. But you talk all season long about we're going to play football the right way and return punts, and we're going to play, we're going to do special teams, only to then in game nine of the season, field punts at the six yard line, uh, not not allow punts to try to bounce into the end zone, just special teams blunders, and then in the last punt of the game, you put in Ethan Nation for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that really has any, you know, is a big deal. I think the biggest thing with is, you know, look, you know, Buscini is was very consistent last year. Started off a little slow and been really consistent. That's why we're talking about it. And when we needed a timely punt, he kind of hit a somewhat of a golf analogy of a hosel rocket, mm-hmm. right? Plenty, We've hit those, right, under pressure. But ultimately, you need to answer the bell defensively, and you wouldn't have been in that position if you'd been more consistent offensively. So... It's a team game. Look, Michigan, we were not on point no. in all three facets. Were we horrible? No. Were we good? That's into the eye of the beholder. Really, that's just where we're at. And so it was a game that where you had hoped that everybody just came with their game in two of the three phases. One, we didn't win any of them. You know, you could probably argue maybe, you know, defensively, defensively by the numbers. But then Michigan State has more turnovers and won the game. And so... It's just one of those things that is is extremely disappointing disappointing from where we stand, and especially me as being a former player, yeah. fan, or whatever you want to you know whatever you know hat you want to give me, is that I wanted I for those players I want them to experience what I knew was going to happen every single year, go to a big bowl game, national championship or bust. Now national championship isn't in their future yeah. this year. But going to a bowl game for some of those seniors, like the Luke Reimers and stuff like that, I wanted them to have that in their back pocket today. When we came on air at 2.23, like we did today, I wanted to be happy for them. Yeah, I'm, I don't need anything for myself. So I don't really care, you know, from my standpoint, because I've been fortunate enough to do it. I want them because, you know what, I have a ton of respect for those kids. They stuck it out. They've been kind of, in a lot of ways, dealt a deck of cards that haven't been full. You know what I'm saying? They haven't been privy to Matt rule and staff of believing in them, coaching them, holding them accountable things that I had, you know, to the utmost. Um, so, you know, look, today was disappointing, but the, the good thing about it is, which is good, but you don't want to think this way is that you have three more games. You got Maryland coming into here, you know, wounded next weekend, a definitely a winnable game. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, you know, you should be landing in Lincoln, you know, once you get 
you know, back here, pissed off. Yeah. And, and and not pissed off at Michigan State. The refs weren't very good. I think they the refs were very lenient for Michigan State on offensive holding and defensive holding. Maybe just expect that on the road. But pissed off in the sense of we let ourselves down and we've came so far and we didn't get over that hump. Here's yeah. an analogy before we go to break. I always say this team and this program is at the point of when you take off in a plane, right? There might be some turbulence, right? And then once now you are, so now you've gotten to the point, that's five wins, yeah. but you're starting to go through a cloudy part and you, we've all been on planes. It might be dark and you just be going play. So there's air pockets, right? Yeah. But you have to either sit there and take the punches or really put that throttle down and go through the turbulence and get to it at the top of the clouds. It's sunny. That's the bowl game. That's seven, eight, nine, ten wins consistently. And so they just have to get to that point to where they're willing to let it all hang out. Um, playing too conservative conservative never gets you anywhere because I always ask, I always tell players that I coach in basketball. If you don't give me everything, it's no different than giving me nothing. Yeah. Because if you give me nothing, we kind of can forecast what's going to happen. If you give me like 70% or play too conservative or play not to make a mistake, you're in the same point of it giving me nothing. Mm -hmm. But if you give me everything, I can learn a lot from that. And that's in the eyes of the beholder. That's player to player, coach to coach, position to position. They got to evaluate that moving forward. Yeah, I just think when you looked at this game, and we talked about it on the pregame show, like every game that Nebraska plays, whether it was against, and especially against these type of teams, what I mean by these type of teams is they're not, you're not facing the top five team in a country right now. This is not, like this is a, a, a Michigan State team that frankly you should have beaten, and you do beat if you take care of what you can control. Similar to the Purdue's, similar to the Northwestern's. And the refs and the decisions that the refs make are out of your control. Right. Because Nebraska, through everything... Had, through a all the had refs, multiple chances. Yeah, through all the refs' horrible decisions and missed calls, for, I mean, a couple of them probably kept Nebraska and gave Nebraska the benefit of the doubt. But nonetheless, there were still opportunities. And what? how did you respond to those? Yeah, turnover, I think, I think turnover, the, you know, before turnover. we go to break, I think the mindset needs to be of... And this is probably boiled over from say like Frost and a little bit of Mike Riley, instead of waiting for an opportunity, yeah, I want to go dictate the pace. Right? Here's, if, mm -hmm. if I had to say anything, we didn't dictate the pace of this game. Oh, absolutely not. That's where we need to get back. Take, forget, forget everything else. Forget the, the, the uh, you know, schematics things yeah. or uh, the refs or you could, you know, lack of pressure. We, all of it can just be put into one box. We didn't step on that field and say, yeah. we are going to dictate the pace. Yeah, you can have a bad call. Okay, that's fine. We'll dictate the pace again. Okay, mm -hmm. you missed the call on third down. Okay, we're going to dictate the pace. Oh, you supposedly gave them a touchdown catch that the guy that Dean Blandino said yeah. wasn't a catch, which he's the head of referees and an iconic figure that he's able to see things in a slow motion fashion. Mm -hmm. Somehow somebody else gave you a touchdown. Well, we're still going to dictate the pace. Yeah. That's what we need to do. We need to start focusing on ourselves, less on what everybody else. Yeah, and then we'll just go from there. That's just it's just the the willing or you know the the how do they respond to adversity? And we've seen in, instances in previous games where they've responded well. Yeah, and, but and it, it's just this today they just didn't. It's just look, you got to really package this performance 
or whatever you want to call it and just leave it at that because yeah. that's the way this is look I'm tell, I always said this earlier on the pregame A1 Automotive pregame show Matt Rule's experience in the NFL because the NFL, and trust I know from experience it's a week to week business yeah that's what this team is week to week now can you emphasize and focus on some of the things that you don't want to boil over the next next week sure we got to have a conversation we can't turn the ball over this rate because we're not creating as that many turnovers and that's what's going to happen. Michigan State says, as long as we play keep away, we'll be fine. Yeah. So we also, then we have to adapt that mentality. So there's just things that they need to address and really focus on. And look, when you when you land here, it's got to, it, it, you know, by the time you touch down, that game has got to be flushed out of your system in the sense of all the emotional baggage attached to this game needs to be gone, but you can't forget it. It's almost like I can forgive myself but I'm not going to forget because when you don't forget it, it's going to push you to do better. So if I'm on you, say I'm a coach and you're a player, Nick, in the middle of next week, I can just reference what we just did a week ago. How do you feel about that? It's the same thing I've been talking to you about maybe since Purdue game, yeah. maybe since Northwestern game. Now I have your attention, and now that we'll, now I have your attention, we'll put on a better performance uh, against Northwestern uh, here in a week's time. Yeah, or not Northwestern, excuse me, Maryland. Maryland, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, I mean, you talk about the pace and just urgency. There wasn't a whole lot of urgency even down the down the stretch. Even when when Nebraska was down two scores, twenty to ten, in, in the halfway part of the fourth quarter, there just it wasn't a whole lot of urgency. Well, it, it didn't seem like they had a plan of what they wanted to do. It, it, it's a good analogy of this. It's it's starting. To, it's almost basketball season. It's a team that comes out flat that's better than another team, mm -hmm. and you start to make a comeback, and you get close, right? And you're within three points, and you miss a free throw. And then you don't foul on time, and you're supposed to push the ball to try to get a two-for-one, and you don't have the urgency. That's the analogy right there. We didn't have the urgency – and the attention to detail all go into the same box in the same place because if you have urgency, you'll have their attention to detail. The, the game management and the time of the possession and the time of the game will all flow together. So it's just something that they got to come to terms with and, uh, you know, really emphasize, but then also, um, you know, step up and be better at because some of the things that Michigan State did defensively against our offense, even though Maryland's defense isn't, you know, 85 Bears-ish, you know, they're going to try to do next week because yeah. they've seen it, it really work You know, on the road against Michigan State. Yeah, uh, by the way, in that third quarter, that third quarter was a, a very important quarter because as Jay said, I mean, that, that was also an opportunity to kind of reset the energy. You didn't come out in the first half with a whole lot of urgency. Yeah. You, you could well, come the defense, out the defense didn't set the didn't didn't get the party started. And, and that's exactly what I was gonna say. That's all there is to it. Michigan State in that third quarter took up over ten minutes of the game yeah. clock. Yeah. You, and, you you couldn't get off the field, and when you did, your offense couldn't get more than three plays going. But that was it. We had the ball to start the third quarter and we exactly. kind of dookie down our legs. They kept it and played keep away. They went four corners essentially in the third quarter of an NBA game and really put you to sleep and then before you could get your energy up and get you know get that urgency back you know the game was over and so that's just clock management game management in in a way of trying to eke out a win where they saw Nebraska not coming out of the uh you know the locker room with the urgency if Nebraska was able to get at least three points in that first drive or two it's a totally different game and that's why points are a premium that's why mindset attitude urgency is even higher than that 
because talent-wise, you're not going to be out-talented down the stretch. It's going to come down to mentality, execution, and mindset these next three games. All right, so once again, 402-464-5685. I'm sure we're going to hear from Matt Rule here in just a few minutes. We'll also field your texts and calls. Uh, Let's go ahead and take a break, Jay. When we come back, let's go to the text line because we have a lot of opinions and thoughts on the text line that we definitely want to get to um, as well as any phone calls that come in over the next couple of minutes. And then uh, truly in the 3 o'clock hour, we can really listen to Matt Rule talk a little bit about the quarterback because the quarterback certainly was uh, one of the many positions and and situations that struggled today. Um, But go ahead, Jay. Send us away. Well, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back and then uh, maybe get some Matt Rule audio or the uh, we'll hear the audio and then tell you what you said and then we'll evaluate that. But uh, this is Jay Foreman Post Game Show. I think brought to you by uh, Tanners and uh, mm-hmm. we'll be right back. Jay Foreman Post Game Show. Sponsored by Tanners Bar and Grill, Vinnie Kreekak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. What up? We've got the Jay Foreman post-game show. Uh, we are here uh, at the bottom of the 2 o'clock hour. First uh, 30 minutes down the hatch. Hopefully out of our system here pretty good. Um, Matt Rule is at the podium talking about one thing I heard when I walked into the uh, producer's studio behind us is that you just didn't have it today. Just didn't have our, you know, I guess A game. Couldn't break through, and that's the perfect description of it you know one thing about Matt Rule I think he's very aware of the situation the team the program and knew it just was not our best effort and we couldn't make that play or have that series or be consistent enough for back-to-back series or back-to-back situational football that means offense defense special teams to put us in position to uh you know get ahead of the the chains ahead of the scoreboard and possibly, uh, you know, you know, win the game, and so it's a, you know, d- definitely disappointing. I mean, anytime you lose is disappointing. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying. There's never a time that when you lose, at something that you put so much into and work for that you lose, or that you feel okay, oh yeah, I'm cool with that, right? And you know, especially when it's a, the situation of it where you feel like you can really do something that hadn't been done. It would have been a a pretty good feat for a coach coming in here, you know, less than a year ago and putting together a team, dealing with injuries, dealing with the situation of the football program that's been going in this direction, you know, for quite some time. And today was a day in the, you know, a big step in the right direction. So, you know, ultimately there's a lot of things that you can unpack, right? You know, I'm a firm believer that the defense is good enough against this offense of Michigan mm-hmm. State that you could have possibly pitched a shutout. Just felt like we were just a little off. We've seen it the first drive. Guys that usually make plays or, or don't make mental mistakes made, quite frankly, huge two huge mistakes. And that's a lack of focus. Is that a dealing with success? That's what I think is the hardest thing. Listen, if there's one thing that's been fostered and and let's say i don't know what the description is when you build it up and and it's a like a disease like fumigated or whatever i don't even know Mm -hmm. whatever has been the perception of success around here and then it boils over into some of the players and how do you deal with it you win three games you haven't done it before went undefeated in october 
okay, you're still at five. Yeah. Do you start believing the hype? Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that you're going to go up to East Lansing and win? And, you know, you, you lay an egg or don't play your up to your up to your uh, standard. And that's been something that's been fostering, you know, for a while around here. And it's been something that uh, the guys that have been successful have been telling you, like, you need to pump the brakes a little bit. So sometimes the harsh reality of something that's been maybe coming your way for a few weeks pops up to you at the right time. And maybe this is the right time. And we just didn't play up to our standard. And and that's, you know, as bad as it is right now, right? Frustrated. Yeah. They should be more, they're more frustrated. But ultimately, it's good that they're frustrated. One, because they care. They understand the things that they didn't do and the ramifications of what they didn't do. And this coaching staff and, say, like, leadership has been able to get these guys refocused and be able to bounce back. And starting, you know, probably after having the locker room talk, you need to be getting on that plane or bus telling each other that's never going to ha- happen again mm-hmm. and then show up with a new attitude and new mindset come uh, next time you're at practice. Uh, once again, 402-464-5685. Uh, we're getting a lot of texts about the quarterbacks. Uh, Heinrich Harburg finished today's game 12 of 28, good for a 43% completion percentage for 129 passing yards, no touchdowns, and two INTs. Um, we're going to get to that. Matt Rule was asked about Heinrich Harburg, and here's what he had to say uh, after the Michigan State game. Uh, you know, I'd have to watch the tape to, to see Heinrich. You know, um, I thought he, uh, I thought he, you know, I thought he ran the ball well. You know, ran the ball well at times, made some good explosive plays. Um, so, you know, I, 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 uh, I know he competed, competed. He brought us back. I'd have to just go back and watch the tape. You know, I know those last two, the ball was knocked out of his hand. So I don't, you guys probably had a better vantage point on the replay than I do from the field. So I'd have to go back and see what exactly that was and why those things happened. Um, here's one thing I will say, Jay, and we talked about it before we came on the, the postgame show. Regarding Heinrich Harburg, um, I, I would push back a little bit and say that he didn't run all that well. There was the one play uh, late in the game where he ran it. I think it was like 43 yards, got it down to the four-yard line. Um, that that was really the only time we saw Heinrich Harburg really be able to explode for a, 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 at least a minimal game. Yeah. Other than that, the the option, the eye formation doesn't look good. The the speed option doesn't look good. He's not drawing defenders like he, he probably should be and then tossing it. I mean, he's predetermining every little thing he does it feels like whether it's in the run game or whether it's in the passing game yeah i think what what people need to understand heinrich is in a sticky situation mm-hmm. and you have and th- listen <laughs> if you know me if i was coaching me and him would be i would be waiting for him at the sideline yeah number one because i think i know for a fact you're better than that right so that's why i'm gonna be all up in your junk but also, as a former player, he's in a and, – and, and the only reason I can say this, I've been in those situations. I've been in those shoes. Mm-hmm. Now, I was able to kind of – and had the the coaching and my dad there that kind of literally pushed and, like, threw me over the edge to get through it. Here's where he's at, and this is just my guess, right? And this – well, actually, I'm just going off what I see. So yeah. maybe it's something different. I see a, a young kid where – you have to understand where he came from. Came from a small school, came here, was kind of just put on the shelf. Then you brought in a new offensive coordinator last year that purposely didn't coach him and didn't think he could play. 
That's his opinion. That's his prerogative. Here comes a new coach. He gets an opportunity, worked really hard to be in favor of the coaches, and then he wins, this, or not wins, but he starts to win a few games, and he's a starting quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So now you start to think about things that aren't necessarily in 2023. Are they, they going to bring somebody else in? They signed a, a quarterback from Bellevue West. Will they be you hear sorry? They need to go to the portal and get two or three quarterbacks. Yes, he's winning, but his throwing mo- you start to hear those things. Yeah. And also see it because they he watches the same tape that we watch. And then you start to play too tight. Then you start to run not to make a mistake. Then you start to look like kind of a robot. Listen, he I, I will tell you this. And this is in granted, the fact that I'm telling you this makes it more frustrating. He is one of the best athletes I've seen in late highs on. He's six four. 225 pounds, 4.5 to 4.6 speed, 40-inch vertical, has quicks and all do that. He hasn't made anybody miss. So that lets me know he is kind of thinking while he's running. I would tell him, get out of your head, do exactly what you're doing, and let your athlete do exactly what you've been coached to do, and let your athletic ability take over. That's why he looks so robotic in the option. That's why when he pitches the ball – it's so late, and there's four guys there. Yeah, you. So, it it's controllable, but it's a mentality thing. This is not a physical thing with this team. It's a mentality and a mental thing, and it's that little, that little like minute difference of taking the next step, continuing to get better every week, stepping up when you need to, embracing the moment is that thin. Mm-hmm. in the difference in the circumstances or you pushing yourself through it and just saying bump it and it's not that you don't care but it's like hey listen when he watches that tape i can guarantee you he's like man i can play better than that yeah i can be faster down the line on the option i can be a more like scary when i run an option i my footwork can be better i can really have my back foot when i'm throwing a ball on the ground so i can actually stride with accuracy and all that stuff that has nothing to do with that has nothing to do with talent. It, it's fascinating that you say that because it, it kind of feels like the complete opposite of what we saw against Northern Illinois. And obviously the 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 opponent is is a little bit better in Michigan and State. And the situation is the, different. The situation too. is there's more pressure. Things has changed. But but that, instead of him trying to, I mean, because we saw it when he's lowering his shoulder, when he's running hard, when we when he ran in Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. that w- it looked completely different. Right, because he's fighting for an opportunity to play in that right. case, to, yeah. rather than trying to salvage his job. I think it's a little bit different. It's his first one; he didn't know any better. Listen, he's taken a lot of hits since then. Yeah, so he's probably maybe a little dinged up more than we even know, and more that he's willing to put on. But also, I think the dynamics has changed. He's won what four games out of the five, right? Yeah, or five hundred five out of uh, he's won, four, four out, or excuse me, five, five. out of the seven. Well, he's won he five. Listen, every win he's been the quarterback. Yeah, so. That provides a different type of pressure. It's different if he knows he's only going to play a week or two and, the, and Jeff Sims is going to come back and be the, the the starter without a doubt because then you're going to get more of what you got. Now he's as he's gone on the this train or trail of being the starter, your expectations and how you prepare and all that stuff starts to become different. That's what he's dealing with right now. And sometimes when you – and the only reason I can speak – 100% factual about this is because I went through it where you're trying to play too perfect and not turn the ball over. You end up doing the same thing that you're trying to guard against. 
Yeah, uh, Matt Rule once again post game. Here, here's something that Jay was talking about earlier: learning to play with expectations. Here's what what the head coach had to say after Michigan State. Yeah, I thought I thought you know we were I thought our ball security and all those things that have been plaguing us snaps on the ground. I thought it was so much better, right? I thought it was uh, significantly better in the game. But to your point, you know we never took the ball away. Uh, at the end of the game, like, you know, we need to, you know, we need to, we, we can't have those things happen. We have to, we have to make those plays. And so um, there'll never be an excuse for being minus three, right? You know, it's minus three and you lose by three. I mean, you're probably a better football team than that. So um, as I said to our guys, you know, our, our guys, we're, we're a good football team. We're finding out what it's like to play uh, games with consequences late in the year. When you come in after winning a couple games, you're finding out, they're, they're finding out for the first time that people are like ready for you. You're not, they're not. They did not pay attention to you all week. They studied you all week. Um, and um, you're going to have to fight scratch and claw and not just assume, well, we've stopped them for two drives. We're going to get them going now. Or, uh, hey, we, you know, we, we ran the ball, ran the ball. We, we, the first drive coming out of halftime, we had 30 yards rushing on the drive. And then we, and then we, we sputter. So there's a lot more, there's a lot more um, lessons to learn from this game. Uh, it's painful, but uh, they have to learn them. I mean, learn, learning how to be – like in my case, learning how to be a consistent and better pro sucks. Learning how to be an actual winner sucks because there's sometimes some doubt and letdowns along the process. It's not going to be easy. If it was easy, Matt Rule wouldn't be here. I mean, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That means anybody and every kid, everybody could do it. And some guys that, you know, they're, you got to think Heinrich Harburg is a freshman out there playing. He's been on campus for three years. He's a freshman, never played. And, and up until last year, never not really coached. And so it's a different situation. And learning how to deal with realistic expectations is very, very hard because you have to deal with some things um, that aren't in your, in your control, but you do control them, right? Your perception, how people view you, your effort, your energy, your urgency, your mindset. Those are things you control. But then also some of the things you don't control is everybody expecting you to win going on a road against a like team. That means even though Michigan State going into this game was two and five, they're no different than Nebraska. They really aren't. They played some close games. They went down to or, uh, Iowa City and almost won. They uh, you know went neck and neck with Minnesota, who beat Nebraska all the way into the middle of the third, you know, third or fourth quarter, right? So they're a competitive team even though it hasn't looked good. Now they got blown out in some games, but so, you know, so is Nebraska against Michigan. That's the hardest part. Getting on the plane and playing a faceless opponent and the biggest opponent is the one that you see each and every day. Um, you look at just the drive chart for for Nebraska um, because we got a text on the text line, 402-464-5685. Earthquake Glue says, don't blame Heinrich for everything. Satterfield had him throwing way too much. Um, what I would say is this, at some point, Nebraska is going to have to figure out whatever it is on offense, whether that's, whether that's running the ball, whether that's throwing the ball. I don't think anybody cares. Just figure out a way to get something going because Jay, let me, let me tell you this. So at the start of the third quarter, up until when there was six minutes and eight seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter, here's how Nebraska's drives went six plays, 29 yards and it resulted in a punt. Three plays, negative four yards. Three plays, one yard. Three plays, three yards. Six plays, 41 yards, ended an interception. You, you, there's, there's, there's nothing. You're, you're sputtering on offense as a whole. It's not that 
there was, I mean, you can talk about play calling all you want, but yeah. at some at some point, like the right, correct football decision has to be made yeah. by the players, right? You can't have Anthony Grant dancing in the backfield when you need somebody to go north-south. Right. You can't have Heinrich Harburg trying to take a shot downfield when there's a wide-open Malachi Coleman going across the field on a crossing route yeah. or a Thomas Fedoni on a short drag route. That, was the play calling perfect? Absolutely not. And I've been as critical on Marcus Satterfield at times as anybody right. this season. But at some point, the players have to make a play. Yeah. And especially later in the game, and this is kind of something I said at the start of the show, at the end of, towards the end of the game, you have to start thinking about players. Right. Who do you want to yep. put the ball in you, in the hands of? Yep. Who do you trust the most to go make a play? I get that injuries have, have hurt Nebraska's offense, and Nebraska's offense is banged up. But at some point... The pride has to be there. This offense has to get tired of saying we're tired of being discussed as the worst of the two or three facets on our team. Right. And you have to go make a play. And right. it's in a game where Michigan State, who is a mediocre opponent right now and an unstable program with an interim head coach, they're giving you countless opportunities. And as an offense, you respond with nine plays in three straight possessions for a total of zero yards. What do you expect to happen? You can't expect yeah. to win ball games if no adjustments are made in the IQ department, in the decision making department, or the preparation department. Yeah, I mean it's I mean, you're one hundred percent correct. I mean the players look, you, you look, the coach's job is to call the plays for what they've studied and and, and can guess what's gonna happen. The execution factor has to take a huge step forward. Yeah. And sometimes, and, and again, people, th you know, when you say mindset, how you prepare, that's not a tangible asset, right? You know what I'm saying? Because tangible assets to the, to the regular fan is me throwing it to Nick for an 80 yard bomb. Yeah. That's tangible. But your mindset has to be right to understand the point of the game that you're in your opponent and what you need to do to get done to be, have a successful offense, right? Take whether you think Marcus Satterfield or the caller or the texter thought it was too much. Yeah. Here's a perfect. Here's a perfect. Okay, you're calling it. That doesn't mean any. That mean that doesn't mean everybody was covered. Yeah. Right. So you can't really say it was too many pass plays because there was a couple guys that were open. It just wasn't executed to high enough percentage. And and there's also no excuse for the inability to pass. I mean because it just looks somewhat. I mean th there's just no ability to throw at all on a very friendly day for throwing the ball. I mean, you're talking in the in the early months or early days of November, it's 48 degrees and zero wind. There there I mean less than less than 5 yeah. miles per hour of wind. Yeah, I mean it wasn't this wasn't weather wasn't a factor. It no. it was just Nebraska was off. The execution wasn't at a higher high enough percentage on a consistent basis. It just mm -hmm. wasn't the rhythm was off. Whether you want to say play calling and all that, okay, yeah, I could deal with. It. I can understand that, but also can think like you know. The only thing I would say was maybe the compilation of plays yeah. when you were calling it, when you were doing it, right? Okay, like the rhythm of plays, personnel as well. Okay, can be on the you, coach, you, could, yeah. you, you could do all that, but really at the end of the day, if you if you called a hundred hundred pass plays and you, and there's guys running open, your 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 job is to hit them. Yeah, and and exactly. then you know what else. Your job is to catch it. There's a big third down. I think a receiver missed it right in his hands. Alex Bulk, that was okay. It. So you you got to beat press coverage. 
That's what they're going to play. They've shown you we're going to be up in your face all game. We're going to sell out against the run. Win. Okay, you won. Now guess what you got to do when you won, when you win? Catch it. That has nothing to do with play calling. Yeah. That has to do with execution. So the execution and then also taking what the defense is willing to give you and just making a simple play has to be infused into a few guys. And that and and that happens and the mindset here's what also what I talk about mindset. Your mindset in the in the I guess say 20 to 20 or say from the 20 yard your own 20 yard line into the opponent's let's say 30 yard line mm-hmm. is different than when you're 30 and going in. Your mindset is different if you have the ball starting at the 40 yard line from a punt or a turnover versus starting at your own 4 yard line. Your mindset in execution has to be different. Your mindset during a two-minute drill or four-minute drill going into halftime is different than coming out of halftime. There's like 10 different types of mindset you have to have. That's what makes sports hard. Um, so, you know, look, I see it right there. Austin, uh, we got our first caller in, man. Look, I think people are probably still like confused that we did lose the game and they're probably, you know, drinking right now. But we got Tony on the line. Tony, what's happening? What up, Jay? How are you? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Hey, hey, I'm doing good, brother. Hey, I want to talk about Harburg and his development throughout the season and if you think we should uh, continue that down this path or, or try something different. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think it's, it's you know, Tony was right. He's like, I think it's, it's going to be something that's going to be discussed. I think, look, for me as a player, and I, I've had plenty of bad games, right? So it's easy to get on here and act like, you know, I've never missed a tackle or something. You don't want the hook to be so quick because you didn't play up the standard. But I think that I would venture to say that could we have blocked better? Could we have got over? Could we have more energy in our route running? I could say that there what the urgency in route running wasn't there, mm-hmm. right? And that's a learning process because you have some young guys that, quite frankly, would be in the state playoffs, and we're just coming down the stretch of the season. The freshman guys, yeah, we had guys drop balls. We had guys not get open fast enough, right? But then the quarterback has some in, in, inaccuracy issues. I think you always coach all the quarterbacks, getting them ready to play. Um, but I think you do maybe emphasize that we got to do some of the small things better because those small things, when Heinrich does them right, lead to big things. So I wouldn't hook him right quick. Um, I would definitely start to talk to him differently. You know what I mean? And that's not like do it or else. When I just talked about the the tw- probably 10 to 12 different mindsets you could possibly have in a game that's what i would probably approach them with all right what are you thinking right here i'd watch this game tell me what yeah. you're thinking right here okay this is what you're thinking okay well let's think about like this how would how much more positive an outcome would be if we would have thought about like this then i would say you know what what's your what's your mindset right now yeah that's that's actually right even though it didn't work out that's the right that's the right mindset mm-hmm. and execution start to do it that way then you get in, then also double down with the fundamentals. Because even if his thought process is right, the fundamentals of throwing the football need to be a little bit tighter, especially in the beginning of the game. I think the man, I think he's coming out a little bit too jacked up. Mm-hmm. Like jacked. Like, I mean, he's ta- his mentality is of like a linebacker. And that's where you get, you kind of speed up. I always say in basketball, play fast, not in a hurry. Mm-hmm. That's how I would do it with them. But then also I would be obviously coaching the other quarterbacks to make sure they're ready and then 
if they show vast improvement, have no problem putting them in the game. Be before we get to break, I mean, Jay, you and I have talked about this a ton uh, on, on various programs, whether it's the Daily Show, whether it's high school football, whether it's now the postgame show. Quarterback in this day and age of college football is so important to yeah. get that decision right. And today was an example of, of where if if a staff misses on a quarterback or isn't necessarily 100% certain on their guy, it can kill your program or or a game in the most crucial moments. And we yeah. saw that down the stretch today in in the lack of execution, in the maybe the lack of confidence that that the staff has in a quarterback or their offense in general, it can, it can truly hinder some progress that that could potentially be made. Yeah, I mean it can. I wouldn't draw that blanket conclusion so quickly. I think the way that they've handled some of the quarterbacks that not not this and, staff, yeah. prior staff is the two guys that are on the roster still from prior staff. The way that they were handled, I and, think and that's exactly I, what I think I mean. that that effect you're seeing because you're, we're seeing the lasting effects right, you're of seeing how they handled right, Reiner Carberg and, and Chubba. Right. That I think that is 100% correctly. Yeah. Or 100% correct. Excuse me. But right now, when you're in the arena, and I call it in the arena because you're or in the match, right? You're in a yeah. boxing match. You're in the arena. You just got to – you recognize that, but that's something you assess in the offseason. I just think that when you think about Henry Harbert, you just got to say, look, dude, we, I know – you." first of all, I know you can play better. Yeah, That's one thing I know. If you talk to those coaches, I'd be willing to bet they would say, I know he can play better. He knows he can play better. But it's not all on him. We were a little leaky. So a little look. Michigan State has a good defensive line. Period. Good defense. Period. Mm -hmm. Not by stat wise, but they do right. And 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 stats sometimes. If you're on the field for 80 plays, you're not going to be able to to have good stats because the offense has been you know so anemic. So it was a little bit leaky up front. We missed a couple plays to where we didn't block it at, at the skill position well as good as we have been. Well. Some of that's on us. Some of it's on Michigan State, right? So, thinking about quarterback play, all that thing, all of it's you know, it's all together. Because, say we we run a wide receiver screen, and I miss the play. Well, now we're behind the chains, right? Mm -hmm. When if I mac or if I make my block, you get four or five yards. Now we're on time, on schedule, and either even with the chains or ahead of the chains, right? So what does that do? Puts more onus on quarterback and on the play calling because we have one guy miss the block. The mentality should be is I don't want to be that guy. And so once you do that and eliminate that and you take that percentage down of how many guys are that guy, then you start to see more explosive plays, consistent offense, and that's what they've done up until today. You were able to do some things. So, I mean, uh, thank, we appreciate Tony for calling in. I mean, I'm sure that's going to be a hot topic because as much as the quarterback gets blamed, they get much, a lot of credit. And, that's and you know, anytime you lose, you blame the what, – what do you always do? Blame the quarterback, play caller, head coach. And that's not necessarily the case. So um, this is Jay Foreman postgame show. We're going to take a quick break and come right back. Jay Foreman postgame show. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar & Grill, Vinny Kreekak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. What up? Jay Foreman, After Game Show. Another 30 minutes, and we're turning it over, I think, to DP and Bach. Um, we're going to try to go to the text line. Nick, do we have any uh Oh, yeah. Any we, text? We got a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, let's, let's start reading some text, and then we'll uh, kind of give a little bit of our opinion. Let's go. How about this? Uh, Bryce says, we give Iowa bleep for their terrible offense, but Nebraska's is worse. 
Can Heinrich Harburg play better? I don't know if I believe that he can. Um, that's what Bryce says. Uh, A.A. Ron says definitely missing Casey Thompson in the passing game. Uh, I don't understand Heinrich Harburg's throwing mechanics, sidearms, wobbly ducks, and he's lifting his back leg every time. Um, none of the team had energy and juice today. It was clear nobody was sharp. Offense, defense, special teams, no energy. That comes from Joe and Boulder. Uh, it's unnamed texture says it's true that Heinrich Harburg is inexperienced, but no amount of coaching or playing time is going to turn him into a 60% completion guy, which should be the low bar and not the standard. He doesn't have that ability. Har Harburg should probably look for a position change in the off season. Um, I, I would also say this, like it, it's, it's interesting just the way things have progressed because now, now we're getting back to this sense of reality, and that's what you said, Jay, at the start was like this is a a reality shock, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and we forgot like, and this was something that we told. I remember sitting here with you at the after Louisiana Tech and Heiner Carberg won the two games. Nebraska was five hundred going into Michigan. And everybody kind of was was thrilled with Heinrich Harburg's performances because when compared to Jeff Sims at that point, he wasn't turning over the football as at as high of a clip. Right. He wasn't making in in uh, inaccurate passes. He was throwing the ball decently well um, against those opponents, and he was running it really hard. Right, and Nebraska ultimately was getting victories. So everybody loved Heinrich Harburg at that point. And I remember telling you like, "Hey, we can't forget." how this fan base viewed Heinrich Harburg prior to these games. Well, now here we have it after Michigan State, and it feels like we're reverting back to previous seasons. <laughs> I mean, just hey, the, man, the, that's, the, that's, that's, hey, look, when the you're, roller coaster. Well, yeah, when you're a fan, you know what that's short for is fanatic. Yep. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. It, it, look, when you play quarterback at any university, and we can only focus on Nebraska, when you do well, you're king. When you don't do well, you're treated as a peasant. And it's always somewhere in between. And I think, to reply to some of the text, I think he can play better. Um, because I think, I, well, one, I've seen him play better. I just need him to see. I need to, I, I think he can play better for longer periods of time. Yeah. But then I also think that guys around him can play better. I, I think when they run a wide receiver screen and we whiff on blocks, yeah, that affects the QB in time and time again, but affects the QB indirectly. Yeah, so I encourage fans to look at the game differently. I'm a big believer in cause and effect. So if you want to see a quarterback play in a hurry and not fast, let him be way behind the chains mm -hmm. because two guys missed the block and totally with the block out e allowed easy access and got six yards um, tackle for loss. Now it's third and sixteen to instead of third and six. If you want to see a quarterback not play well, just do that on yeah. the road. Um, if you want to see a quarterback do that, where a run play call that Satterfield, Satterfield could call, at the worst case scenario is three and a half, four yards, 40 yards on a play call. Have a running back dance around, and then you end up at you know the line of scrimmage or a tackle for loss. Yeah. So instead of second and six, third and four, third and six, or whatever, it's second and third and eight, nine, 10 plus. That's a recipe for a indirect evaluation of your quarterback. And, and the one thing I can agree with 100%, I feel like the sense of urgency, the energy, AKA what people like to call juice, wasn't there mm -hmm. for, long, for long enough periods of time on the road in a game that you can get over the hump. 
in a game where you had, I mean, going into it, we kind of had this idea that Nebraska was going to have to create their own energy. Like, that wasn't a surprise. But, what, but here's what, I'll push back on you with that. Let me ask okay. you Because there's there, uh, is there ever a game where you don't. There you go. The, the, exactly. There, and, I mean, and, I and, just don't, yeah, I've no, never, exactly I mean, and, right. and you know what though, Nick, here, I'll tell you this, I'll be completely honest. There's been games when I've been out there and I was just like, you're not playing. Yeah. But it didn't take long. Exactly. It, right? I mean, look, it, look, I will tell you this. Whether it's Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice, Ray Lewis, mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey, anybody, Patrick Mahomes, there's been games you didn't have juice. Yeah. Whether it's sickness, injury, or being, un, you know, healthy or hurt. But then the guys that really are truly competitive, you put, you, you bring it. Like at the the first couple series, the first three, you know, first quarter, first half, one of the main guys in the front seven that was the only guy that bringing energy was Cam Linhart and Jamari Butler. Yeah. Those are the two guys that ain't played none. I, I was just gonna say a guy that initially injured the portal during the off season and wanted to come back and did not start the season as a number one. No, he was hurt. And then you have a true freshman that don't know no better. Yep, exactly. So, um, looking at the offense here, Jay. I'll ask you a general question and let you run with it. Do they know what they want to do? I think they do. I think right now it's it's in a little bit of flux consider the situation that we're in. Mm -hmm. Nothing that they probably went into the season has gone as planned from a health standpoint. And then yeah. you double that with some key positions and some key players that got started off on the left foot instead of the right foot. And then then you then you get not only guys hurt but we're talking about injured. Mm -hmm. And yes, they are, you know was Marcus Washington, IGC, are they as good as Marvin Harrison Jr.? Most likely not, but in this offense they were definitely needed, sorely missed. Right? That's your starting, you know, outside uh, receiver. It's probably your other boundary receiver and then that affects Billy Kemp who had been hurt in the slot. And, it, and, and then you got to think your top two running backs, which you haven't even talked about, are gone. Yeah. Not for a couple games, the whole season, in one game. It's not like Gabe got hurt and Ramir took over for three or four games and then he got injured and hurt, mm -hmm. and then you're finally handing off to Emmett. It, and then Anthony Grant has been having his his struggles. So that's, a, that's an injury or somebody being hurt as well. So I think they probably know inside their walls, but I think it's hard right now because it's constantly in flux. And, and as great as strides as yeah. – some of the young rookies have made, they're still rookies. Like, to be honest with you, that 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 pass that got airmailed to uh, Doss, look, coming mm -hmm. out your break and be able to get off your feet and get up there, at, at six feet tall, that's not short, That's not a short receiver. Yeah. To get up and have the ball over your hands, you didn't deliver the mail. So there's a lot of things that lead into it. And so I think they know what they want to do. I think it's, it's just hard to execute right now. And, you know, I Go ahead. And, and, you know, if you want an analogy of it, you know, sometimes like, so I coach AU basketball. So going into a season, I might want to be an up-tempo, five-out, push the ball, you know, four-out shell offense, right? Well, here's an example. I have one of the kids that I was really dependent on really do well on track and go to state to track. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to start stop you from excellence. Focus on track. I'll see you when you're done. That goes all the way pretty much to the end of the school year. We're already, you know, starting the AAU season. So then that that's one guy that hurts you. And then say another guy, you know, you felt like that would develop and be ready to go, decides to say, decides that he wants to play basketball a different way because his parents says so or his dad says so. 
Well, then that affects the flow of the game. Well, then it, then you have to do an about face and deal with what you're dealing with. Well, then now I got to go get a seventh grader going into eighth grader to play with some 10th graders because he's in the program. Yeah. Well, now we got to actually pull back the way that we attack on offense. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing in a, in a football way of dealing with the situations they're dealing with and trying to get the maximum out of the things that they are strategically giving these guys right now. I said this to you during the break. Um, later in the season here, as those younger guys get more experience, right? Because this what is this the second or third start for Malachi Coleman, yeah. second for Jaden Doss, whatever the case may be. Um, I'll be interested to see the the personnel that they they put out on the field because there's certain situations where it's it's somewhat puzzling. They recruit to speed, but in situations where they need a speedy receiver to make a catch. They don't put the faster guys out there. They put the more experienced guys out there. And that's not me trying to take a shot at anybody. That's just yeah. thinking clearly, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and in situations like that, you mentioned guys missing blocks. Well, speed and what they want to do on the perimeter can help make guys miss. But if you don't put your best athletes in that position, yeah. it makes it more difficult. And so you just kind of wonder, and I, like I'm intrigued for – Two weeks from now, three weeks from now, if they make a bowl game next year, if we see that somewhat yeah. shift and adjust, I think you'll you see it. But then so. also the guys that are out there mean to make need to make go, the block. Go make a play. Well, you got to make the blocks. I mean, I mean, All if around, you're yes. if you're bigger than a nickel and guy, you got to make that block. Mm -hmm. it, it, you got it, as much as you is is for an offensive skill player. You you have pride and say. I don't want any drops, you know, through the season. I want like say two drops through the whole season. That same pride needs to be about when you're you when you're blocking on the perimeter. Yes, it's hard, but when you have the physical advantage and you just don't get your hands on them, mm -hmm. well then that. And then as far as you're talking about maybe like with the bullock play, as far as when you need him to catch, look, the experienced guy is getting in there and he's probably better getting off the jam. Because you gotta think a lot of these high school players have not played in your face, man to man, nose to nose type of defenders. For this amount of time and this you know amount of plays, so you put somebody in there that's more experienced, he's able to get it. He just needs to catch it. That's all there is to it. Uh, you just got to you just got to make the plays. Once again, four zero two four six four five six eight five. We got this from Bobcat before we take our final timeout. Bob. Uh, Bobcat says excellent analysis and thought provoking perspectives. You both are making an outstanding show despite no victory today. Thank you, Bobcat. Please comment on how the team can energize the running game. Thank you. That's I mean, there's different ways to do it. Maybe, like, be more steady. Listen, here's the thing is, the energized run game, we just got to block better, right? Pad level, I think, was a little too high. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the defensive line that Michigan State was actually probably better overall. Purdue had two really good players, a kind of an edge edge guy and, a, and an off-line back. Number four and number five. Right. Really caused havoc. But the inside guys in second level weren't very good. Michigan State overall from their front four in their in their second level three what is better than Purdue. So our pad level was a little bit too high to to really gain some hay. So we need to be more efficient in how we're blocking. But then like you said, with some running backs, you gotta stop tiptoeing and dancing and we gotta start hitting the hole. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the stick with the run game a little bit more when you have say Emmett Johnson a couple eleven yard gains, six yard gain. Maybe let's start, you know, a little bit more of a bell cow here there, but it's a lot to put on on a freshman. So I think just the execution of the run game 
will be get be good and maybe the timing of it. But ultimately, before we even talk about the timing of the run game and yeah. the amount of carries, our execution and pad level needed to be a little bit better. It's I mean, you look at the running game and you talk about guys dancing in the back. Like at this point with this offense struggling the way they are, there needs to be a a a complete understanding from those running backs that hey, at this point any yards are good yards. True. Like, like at some point instead of trying to dance around and make a big play, you got to hit the you got to go north south at some point and th- staying on schedule at second and 6 is yeah, much more set, yeah. much more important than trying to figure out a way to get the, uh, hit a big hole and, right. and and end up being at second and 11. Well, what happens is even if you're trying to mix up your first down run, I know particularly there was two or three kind of like let's call them either slot screens or mm-hmm. wide receiver screens that some guys missed it. So you're behind the, the clock or behind the, the, the chains. And then Michigan State was selling out with their run blitzes. So that makes yeah. it harder to run the ball. So you're correct in the sense of, yeah, you, you know, we, we have to accept the yards that we get. But ultimately, it's holistically that we can't – we have to do a better job of eliminating, I call it direct access to the play at the point of attack. Mm. We do that, everything kind of flows off of that. You're able to get two or three yards, because Nick, here's the thing where people don't understand, is those short screens, those wide receiver screens, those are just extended run plays. We've seen the San Francisco 49ers used to do that. But what you do is if you miss a, a block at the point of attack, it's no different than missing a block on a drop back pass. It just makes you play in a hurry. We don't play well in a hurry. We play well when we're playing fast and we're on time at the chains or ahead of the chains. That means we're getting positive yards on first and second down. We're really, really good there. And then then you can start talking about quarterback mechanics, you know, play, you know, the play concepts and all that. But until we start to get our, let's just name this right here, our pride percentage. Our pride percentage is, be prideful that our guy is not going to be the guy that makes the play by direct access. If he kicks my butt, he's on scholarship. Mm-hmm. But me whiffing, me not blocking him, me going the wrong way, we got to get that down to it's a surprise when it happens. That's that's what really will dictate what this offense is for the rest of the season starting next week and where it could be. And that's the difference between really good offenses or really consistent offenses and then sometimes where we're at. And that's just the bottom line because when you stop direct access to your backfield, to your receivers, you're allowing your athletes to be athletes. And yes, then then if you can do that, then we can really have some hard-hitting conversations with, okay, you need to hit the guy here based on your mindset, based on the situation of football in the game. This is what also before break, I want people to think about this before you come before we come back and break. A football game is broke up into many small games, games that are situational. How you start the game, how you are in the middle of the second or middle of the ha- middle of the first half, how you go into the halftime, how you come out of halftime is a game. Then you talk about finishing, finishing could start as the, is as late as the middle of the third to late the third quarter, or it could be, do you turn it on the last six minutes? There is about six or seven games, six or seven segments of situational football that are all within one game. 
that's what you have to really understand. That's how you're able. That's how I look at the game. And um, because you could lose the first part of the game, but do really well the you know everything else, and that's how you end up blowing out a team, right? Do you take advantage of of, of your opponent's mistakes? We just did that last week against Purdue. 74, you're too high. We go in there, block a punt, we catch or block a kick, catch it off the off the bounce, house call. That's a 10-point difference, right? Three for them plus seven are for us. So a lot to think about. We're going to take a quick break, come back, put a bow on this uh, Michigan State week uh, or Michigan State game, excuse me, Jay Foreman post-game show. We'll, we will be right back. 